intention to actually introduce myself more regularly. So my name is Nita, and if I do not already know you, I look forward to having the opportunity to do that after service. Am I, is it okay? I know it's on, it just, it feels a little loud to me. But then I've had a lot of quiet time the last couple of weeks. It's good to be back with all of you. Um, a couple days ago, um, so here's one of those weird things I do when I'm on vacation is I look on YouTube for things like speaking circles and, uh, and other ministers' talks and things like that. And several of you in here know what speaking circles is and have, been, in fact, participated in speaking circles. And it's simply a way of allowing people to become comfortable being in the presence of and speaking to and listening to one another um, from a space of knowing that we are all connected. Okay. (laughs) And so I was watching a speaking circles the other night, and I was reminded that the first step when we come together with the intention of, of hearing and listening, the first step is simply to be in communion with one another, to be present. And it is really a blessing to be able to stand up here and to look out at each and every one of you and know that there is something within you that has been called to be here in this community. When I was uh, back at Missouri, back at Unity Village in Missouri in the springtime, we I serve on the admissions the admissions leadership group, whatever whatever it is we're called, we laugh about calling ourselves the group that currently has no name. name. Uh, but the bottom line is we assess incoming candidates for ministry, for unity. And the minister I was, uh, I was connected with for the week as a partner was uh, a minister from Connecticut, who, who does uh, off-Broadway, he does off-Broadway, and he reminds everybody, if you go to my private website and link up to my stuff, remember that is not a unity minister speaking. <laughs> and so I was working with Sean all week, and every single time that we invited another candidate in to be with us, as part of our opening prayer, he would he would express appreciation that we had all found each other, that of all of the people in all of the worlds, in all of everything, that we here, now present, have all done everything that it took to be here and find one another here today present. And there are times when I think that our belonging in community kind of gets lost sometimes to the self-improvement projects that we all feel like we need to undertake. I think that sometimes we think that the reason that we learn these unity principles and the reasons that we practice these are so that we can just each be better people. And that is true. On, On a level, that is true. And I think that it is always a level of some level of what I have come to refer to as divine discontent that has led us to begin exploring a spiritual path, whatever that path is. And we come to that path because we have some human feeling 
that's, that there's something more, that somehow we're missing something, that we could be more compassionate, that we could be smarter, that we could be somehow more at ease. We, we feel that there's something that we could be more of or less of that would make us better people. And, you know, the truth is, you are already all that you need to be. Each and every one of us is already whole, complete, perfect, unique, and necessary to the whole that we are. And this is where community comes into play. And this is where our focus is going to be for the next few weeks on how we begin making that shift from the very human need for self-improvement and the recognition that in my divinity I am already all that I need. And knowing that, I can now be in community with others and actually affect change that is for the greater good of the whole. So, so as, as I have been out of the community for a couple of weeks, um, it's been an interesting journey for me exploring what role does community play in my life, in our lives, and in fact in the life of this community as it is. We have a, we have a mission statement and that you have seen earlier in the screens if you, if you were paying attention. I didn't put a separate one in this week again. But basically, we are here to inspire, empower, and support practical spiritual growth. We offer spiritual tools here of prayer, meditation, and service to one another and to our community. And our intention is to do that with an atmosphere of joy, peace, and prosperity for all. Not just me, not just you, not just the ones sitting in chairs and the ones that we know are part of us that are not in chairs today, but we know this one is in Minnesota and that one is in Michigan and this one is over here. It's not just that. It's all of us as the wholeness that we are. So I hope that today and and all days that you will consider not only how do these tools and practices inspire and empower your own spiritual journey, but how does your evolving awareness of the truth of your wholeness, your completeness, your uniqueness, your being of necessity serve the greater community of all beings everywhere? You know, I give homework every week, so that's it. Serve all humans everywhere, all beings everywhere. And one of the ways that we do that is with the tool of affirmation and denial. So if you will, it is our habit every week to speak these words together. And if you are willing, I invite you to center into the depths of the truth that you know and to speak with me these words. Releasing the things that are behind, I realize I am strong, positive, powerful, wise, loving, fearless, free spirit, I am the infinite, expressing at the point I am. I am peace in the midst of all matters. And that would be the truth for each and every one of us. 
that last line especially, um, you know, we talk, we meaning me, of course, on Sundays, um, we talk a lot about peace on earth, goodwill to all. You know, peace is the name we chose for ourselves. And so many times I, I think that we tend to forget that peace is always already present and an option. There may be a lot of chaos going on in the universe. There is, there is certainly a lot of what appears to be chaos going on in our culture, in our society, in all of what, what we are as humans at this point in time. But within that chaos is also peace. And even, even biblically going back to the very beginning of the Bible, the very first, the very first part of the Bible is one of the creation myths. And remember, within these walls, we do not believe that the Bible is the literal, inerrant word of God. We believe that the Bible is a set of stories that have been written by humans about their divine understanding. How, how to be spiritual beings in a world of humans. And the first creation myth in the Bible, because there are actually two, but the first one says that in the beginning that the world was without form, that it was void, that there was chaos. And yet the story is that from that, that order emerged, that we separated darkness from light and day from night, and that different forms were, were ready to be created. And, and we, we always tend to, I think we have a tendency to think that everything started out nice and calm and peaceful and perfect, and then it somehow went downhill, and it comes back a little bit every now and again, but then it goes back downhill, and then it comes back again for a little while, but then it goes back really, really downhill, and, and then we have a little hope, but then it seems like it's chaos again. And you know, things did not, even our, even our Judeo-Christian origin story begins in chaos and calling forth order out of that. So when we say that line, I am peace in the midst of all matters, just remember that whatever circumstance you take yourself into, whatever situation you find yourself within, no matter how chaotic it is, no matter how contentious, no matter how anything, if you are there, you have the capability to bring peace into expression in that. And sometimes it's just sitting and breathing and calm and knowing peace. So, so that line, I am peace in the midst of all matters. Again, it's sort of like, is your expectation really for good? Is your expectation really for change? Is it really a true, deep down into the depths of your soul awareness and willingness to be that which the world needs in any moment? So I'm, I'm, I'm setting that as the bar for this week, that we will each do whatever it is that we can to be that which is needed. And this shifts into our, in, back into our exploration of the seven habits of highly successful people. Uh, next slide, Ernie. So just a quick, quick recap. The first three are up there. Be proactive. In other words, you are not, you are not a little metal 
pinball in the middle of a machine that people are just banging and knocking around. You get to choose your path in life. If we're going to choose wisely, we invest time to recognize what are my values, what is important to me, what is it that I truly stand in truth knowing. And that we begin from that point of knowing with what is it that we want to do, what is it we want to accomplish, what is the effect that we wish to have. And with that in mind, the steps we take need to reflect that. So we put first things first, and first things here is always grounding ourselves in truth, always grounding ourselves in awareness that there is one power, one presence. There is not two, there is not good and, there is not God and, there is not spirit and. There is that one power, one presence, and we are that. And as we do that, as we do the practices that bring us into fuller awareness of our own power, our own strength, our own ability to really know that we are positive, strong, powerful, wise, loving, fearless, free spirit, as we take the steps to grow more and more in that, we begin shifting our focus from how do I fix me to how do I bring the truth of me into expression for the good of all. And this, unfortunately for my human self, this does not mean that I get to go around telling everybody what to do. You know, I have said many, many times that my human self has known from a very, very, very early age, and I'm sure a much earlier age than my parents would have appreciated, my human self has known from as far back as I can remember that if everybody would just sit down, shut up, and do what I told them to do, everything would be good. From my point of view as a human, there is, however, a time in life as, uh, again, biblically, we put away childish things. And putting away childish things allows us to remember that we are not just here for us. We are here to learn how interdependence works. And we cannot truly be interdependent until we have achieved independence as much as we possibly can. As long as we think we are victims, we are going to be looking for something outside of us to fix us. And unfortunately, there is nothing out there that is going to fix you. As the song we sang earlier, everything that you need is already looking through your eyes. It's all right there. We read books, we hear teachers, we take classes. All of those things may seem like they're coming in from the outside, but what we are really doing is opening ourselves up to being receptive to the truth which will help us evolve into our freedom. Next one. So we move on. Habit number four. Win-win or no deal. I kind of decided I would like to have a game show on TV, and the name of it would be Win-Win or No Deal. So what does that mean? Next slide. So Win-Win or No Deal, and this is, uh, this is coming out of uh, Stephen Covey's book, requires the character traits of integrity, maturity, and an abundance mentality 
and the ability to develop high-trust relationships. And what I say, how I ground this back to our unity teachings, is that our life is choices. Every single choice that we make has an effect. There is a law of cause and effect. You can call it by whatever name you want to call it, if you want to call it karma, if you want to call it the law of consequence. It's life is choices, and our work is to learn how to decide what are the wisest choices we can make. And here is where win-win or no deal comes into play. If we find ourselves about to make a choice which has a negative effect on anyone else, that is not win-win. That is win-lose. Somewhere along the line, we must begin to really at a very, very, very deep level understand that my good can never come at anyone else's expense because we are one. Now, we're not all the same, obviously. We're not all, we're not all the same human walking around. But all of us are a part of that infinite one power, one presence that goes by so many names. And so in any circumstance, if my choice depends on me getting something at your expense, I need to stop and rethink my choice. Even if it seems really, really important. And it's, it also goes the other way. If your choice is going to be best for you, but I know that somehow it's not good for me, then I also have a duty to recognize that. Now, as he makes clear in the book, and, and I want to make clear here too, there are a lot of negotiations that go on in life every single day. Now, one of, one of the things that I know will happen in my own life is that after church, we're going to get into the car and I'm going to ask John, where do you want to go for lunch? And he's probably going to say, I don't know, where do you want to go for lunch? And one of us will ultimately say, how about this place? And you know, even if I don't really care about that place that much, I will say fine, and I will go. And it, but it's not that his good is coming at my expense. That's an inconsequential choice. Now, if, if, I, if he were to say, oh, let's go have sushi, then I would probably say, no. No. I, you, you can go eat sushi, and I'll go get takeout someplace. But so it's not like we have to micro, you know, get this down to where we're just, you know, getting into altercations. That's not the point. The point is when life presents us with a situation that requires our discernment of the highest and best, we need to recognize that there is always either a path to win-win or Perhaps it's not time to make a choice yet, and then it becomes no deal. A lot of times this sort of plays out in ways that we don't really recognize until the relationship involved has gone on for quite a while. 
There may be a point, you may be in relationship with someone. Um, I'll, I'll use an example from my life. One of, uh, one, a relationship that I had with a friend several years ago, um, it grew out of, we, we were co-workers. This person was actually my boss. But we were, you know, we crafted a friendship. And generally speaking, when we went out, it was to some place where smoking and drinking was involved. So if we were going to lunch, it would be at the cantina at the restaurant because she was a smoker. And that way she could smoke, we could both drink, and that was that. And there came a point in my life where, you know, this was fine. I was a willing participant. I was not being held in bondage here. But there came a point where I realized that that just wasn't a place that was good for me to be. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy going back to work and trying to work with my head cloudy. I didn't enjoy sitting there, you know, you can smoke in so few public places now that the places where people can smoke is really, really smoky. And I didn't feel that that was good for me. And and so I began asking if we could go someplace else. And I realized at a point that, no, we couldn't. And so win-win or no deal. And ultimately, the friendship just sort of faded away. It wasn't that we had a big altercation. It wasn't anything like that. It just became less and less convenient for us to be together. But when you're faced with a choice, and to really look at something from a win-win or no-deal situation is not really the way we normally do things, is it? For the mundane, what are we having for dinner? You know, who's going to do laundry? Those things, there are probably a lot of negotiations that just simply give and take. But even those may need to come down at some point to an acknowledgement that, you know, either we're always doing something because I want to and you never get to, or we're always doing something because you want to, and then I don't get to be. So this is not the way relationships should work. And besides being in relationship with the other people in your life, you are in relationship with all of the people in life. And that's where it begins to really allow us to recognize the challenge of really, truly coming from a point of, I'm going to go into this knowing there is an optimal choice. There is another alternative. There is a way for us to navigate this for the good of all. So it's not like politics. It's not like one candidate wins, or one party wins, or one person wins, and then everybody else loses. It's really crafting a way through our lives that is genuinely for the highest and best outcome of everyone concerned. And this is a different shift. This is a way of looking at life that is very different. And when we come together in community, even at our level of coming together in community, it means that as we make choices as we decide how much money do we spend on this or how much money do we spend on that or where is it that we gather, 
you know, this, this place is lovely. And what happens at least negotiation time? What is our intention? What is the highest good for everybody? This is where as we become leaders, not only of our own lives and our own selves, but we begin to be leaders in mankind, in humankind. That we need to always remember that just because our human self thinks it knows best, and I've just never met anybody, I've met a lot of people that I will say are at an equal level with me, but I've really never met anybody that felt more strongly from a human viewpoint that if everyone would just sit down, shut up, and do what I say, it would all be good. There are those of us on the planet that are very gifted in that area. (laughs) And I'm one of them. And I know some of you are too, because I've been in relationship with you for several years as well. And so we really, really have to learn to release that So as our opening affirmation says, releasing the things that are behind, I have to learn, and a great deal of my own spiritual evolution over the past several years has been releasing the things that are behind that make me seem to think I know what's best for everyone else. And that's a different way of being in the world. It's a very different thing to actually say to someone, You know, this is not mine to decide. You're the one, you're the stakeholder, do it, go for it. And and really what I think is best is really irrelevant because this is yours to do. That, That did not stop me in the past. So this is my growing edge. This releasing things that are behind and learning how to live into something new. As we move into our quieting time, I'm going, we're going to hear a song that's become one of my favorites. And it's called, and you've heard it several times over the past few months, No One Gets to Heaven If Anyone Is Left Behind. Some of the words in the song feel sort of more traditional than a lot of the songs that we sing. And even the concept of heaven, you know, this is not something... We in Unity do not teach that heaven is someplace off in the sky. One of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite sayings that's come down to us is, as supposedly said by Jesus, I think really to me captures the humanity and the wisdom of, of Jesus teaching around heaven. He taught, of course, that the commu- that the kingdom of heaven is within us and amongst us. And, and he goes on and there's one place, especially in the Gospel of Thomas, it's in the regular four Gospels as well. But his, the story that has come down to us is that he says, he says basically so, because if the kingdom of heaven was in the sky, the birds would get there before we would. And if the kingdom of, the, of heaven was in the depths of the sea, the fish would get there before we did. So we have to stop thinking this is something up or down or outside of us. And, and yet, when we talk about no one gets to heaven, if anybody is left behind, basically means no one, no one can enjoy the fruits of all good without opposite as long as anyone is still suffering. As long as anyone is suffering, as long as anyone feels left out, as long as anyone feels hopeless, as long as anyone 
is being persecuted. It's impossible for us to truly know heaven on earth because we are not separate. We are all connected. We are all one in that wholeness. And it's sort of like all of the parts of your body getting together and saying, you know, we're all going to be good, but we're going to chop off that thumb and just let it suffer. It makes no sense. It's ludicrous. It's, it's a crazy idea. And yet, in the body of that which may be called the Christ, in that one power, that one presence, we cannot draw a circle and say we get to enjoy this, but everybody outside the circle is left on their own. So as we shift into considering the role interdependence plays in our lives, I'm going to invite you to simply be still, perhaps just focus on a breath or two or three, And one of the ways that we can help ourselves to become still, to become calm, is to bring up a memory of someone or something or some place for whom we have an uncomplicated appreciation. It may have been a puppy that you remember licking you on your face when you were a little, little kid. It may be the image of your grandchild Newborn and innocent. It may be your home, which has become your sanctuary. It may be the cold nose of your dog waiting there for you when you walk in the door. It may just be the comfort of knowing that you have loved ones who care for you. And as we allow that appreciation to come forth, We just allow it to grow and to grow and to represent good without opposite. To represent the expectation of good in all things. As always, feel free to sing along if you wish. Last night I dreamed my daddy woke me up and took me by the hand And walked me down the hill and through the woods to where a little chapel stands And everyone we knew was there and they all seemed so happy we came by Deacon shook our hands and then he led us to a seat beside the aisle. The preacher started talking and everybody leaned in close. He said, there is a light in the dark when we need it the most. There is a way through this world if we keep this in mind. No one gets to heaven if anybody else is left behind. 
If anyone is lost along the way And it's so easy to doubt it So now let us join hands and pray We'll meet on that beautiful shore In the sweet by and by to heaven if anybody else is left behind Consider the circle within which you live. Where does that circle end? Wherever we place a boundary, we know that there is more. And whoever we include, we know that we will be excluding others. And for whom do we choose good, if not all beings everywhere? Our human mind wants to believe that there's only so much and that when it's gone, it's gone. Our human mind wants to think that if I have my good, that it doesn't matter whether you have good or not. 
And our human brain expands that circle of the willingness to share as far as it, as far as it is comfortable doing so. Our loved ones, our friends, our family, maybe the people on our block, maybe the people who go to our church. But at some point the human mind becomes afraid. begins to live in lack and fear. And this is where we need to remember truth. In truth, there is no lack. Infinite abundance is visible everywhere we look. But so often, we block off our own good. We limit our own good. And as we limit our good, we limit the good of others as well. So for just these moments, let's just consider, as Jesus told us, the birds of the sky and the lilies of the field. Whether or not we've ever studied the Bible, we know the point to this story is that they don't toil, they don't worry, and yet they have what they need. And so do we. So for these few moments, allow yourself to live in that space of truth within which knows that all I need is already within me. I have all of the wisdom, all of the presence of love, all of the power, all of the faith, all of the good judgment, all of the understanding and imagination and order, all of the life that I could ever need. And if thoughts of yes, but, or what if come into mind, Allow them to pass by grounding ourselves again in the truth that truly we have all that we need already within.
And as we begin to understand ever more that we really do have all that we need, we recognize that it's safe to share that awareness. It's safe to expand and open our arms wide and welcome others into this circle of good. We realize that it really is true that my good does not need to come at your expense. And knowing that, I can rejoice in your good, knowing that you also rejoice in my good. And as we are able to release our worry, our fear, our concern over not enough, we find that we simply breathe easier. We walk a little more confidently in the world. We can rest more deeply because we don't need to watch out for attack. We are the infinite good of the universe expressing at the point of each and every one of us. And so may we each walk our paths in awareness of that, in willingness, in gratitude and appreciation, in light and in love. We give thanks to all of the teachers who have gone before us on this path. We honor and we appreciate the one who walked before us, that we tend to call our elder brother, our way shower, the man named Jesus, who demonstrated what a path lived as the Christ might look like. For all of that, we know that our good is present, our good is here now. We know that we are peace in the midst of all matters. We know this is so, and so it is. Amen. As you go through your week, uh, really bring a focus to the choices that, that you're called to make, to the decisions. And if it involves someone else, allow yourself to perhaps go just a little step beyond your habitual, this is my answer because this is always my answer. If you find yourself in a negotiation, um, consider for just a moment what that negotiation might look like if you did as uh, New Thought teacher Emmett Fox suggests. Recognize that God is sitting on both sides of the table. That one, that one still is kind of in neon as one of the things that I know I had to learn along the way. And I have proven it for myself in a situation where I was in a negotiation, in an adversary relationship, and there were two sides of the table. And, and it was an amazing thing to be able to remember God is sitting on both sides of the table and to allow my concern for what was being said to evaporate into the awareness and to see how well that worked out. So that's your homework this week.
That's your homework. How can you allow your light to shine so confidently that others can't help but benefit from it? That's your homework. I hope you'll share if you have an opportunity to do so. And, and so that's our, that's our first step into interdependence. And we will continue on with that in the coming weeks. And again, if you have not yet read the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, because you thought, oh, that's one of those business winning through intimidation, looking out for number one sort of business books, you have a very pleasant surprise in mind. Thank you all for being here. It's good to be back with you today. And if I haven't yet had a hug, I'll look forward to getting one afterwards. Thank you all.